Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 70 of the North Meet South Web Podcast. Web Podcast. Uh, I noticed you had uh, Beavis and Butthead at the, pre- at the start <laughs> of our previous episode. What was that about? Because it was episode 69. What about? It was episode 69 oh, and I figured gotcha, that was gotcha, a gotcha. appropriate childish uh, little, um, sure. what do you call it? Yeah, little, I don't know. Behavior. Mean? Childish know. behavior. That's what it was. Behavior. Sure. Sure, that works. Hey, so last time we talked about them paying me the entire time and then promptly didn't work on it all week. Whoa, whoa, so, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, one of us. One of us. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. You worked on it. I know. I know. I know. It's true. Classic Jake. Hey, um, but we've got some other... Yeah, classic Jake. Oh, believe me, I was working. I was just not working on that. So yeah, we had a couple of things that we were going to talk about last time that we did end up getting time to talk about. And so I've actually... I actually messaged TJ Miller and David Hemphill both to be like, hey, do you want to talk about this one specific thing that I want to talk about in the podcast? And they're not around, so no worries. That's fine. But before we get too far into the show, I actually wanted to give a quick shout out to Use Fathom. Actually, it's not Use Fathom. Use Fathom is the website, but just Fathom, Fathom Analytics, who has decided in the kindness and generosity of their hearts to become a sponsor, not just for a month, not just for two but for a long period of time, which we're really excited about. And uh, they actually gave us a really awesome offer for all of our listeners, which is a free seven-day trial and then a $20 credit for Fathom Analytics for however many months you're going to use them. So you get like, it's a $14 a month plan. So that would mean you get seven days for free and then you'd get a month plus $5 extra of credit just to just to give it a shot. Nice. So this is a really good deal. Yeah, and you can check it out at usefathom.com slash north. So if you haven't checked them out yet, you definitely should. So Fathom Analytics is analytics for people who have other crap to do and don't want to spend all their time looking through spreadsheets. Straight into it. Not mucking around, just straight into the yeah. old uh, the old sponsor read right there. No, you know what? Honestly, like I'm really excited about it. I really, it really good. am. And I think it's like it's so helpful like when you have something that you're talking about that you're actually a fan of yeah. or like you are using or you like, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. don't know. That's why I like uh, all, all of Adam's, Adam Wathen's sponsor reads. Uh, he like uses the stuff. He loves the stuff. So it's always like way more compelling yeah. right? when he when he's talking about things. It's just like, oh yeah, I, can sh- I should use that. Yeah, except he's not doing hey, sponsors of, anymore. One right? of the things, <laughs> isn't he? I don't know. Have you, you're obviously not up to date with uh, his business. He's, uh, he, he's, he's not doing the sponsors anymore. He's just going to... Log off his own stuff now, which is good because, you know, he's got the platform to do it and it means he doesn't have to mess sure. about with sponsors. And, you know, if you're in a position to support your podcast through through your own things, then good good on him. And, not, you know, maybe one day if we ever finish working on Then Ping Me, it'll be the same thing for us. It'll at least cover the cost of yeah, hosting the show. that's the hope. For sure. For sure. Hey, so speaking of Full Stack Radio, actually... We had a really cool thing happen last week, which was that we got published in Net Magazine, which is a UK-based magazine that talks about web development and design. And we were mentioned in there along with uh, No Plans to Merge and Full Stack Radio right next to each other. That is pretty cool. That was pretty awesome. I went to uh, Barnes & Noble to see if I could find a copy of the magazine this week. They don't have it. No good? So, yeah, yeah, no good. No good. But uh, I think I might be getting a copy. We'll see. Yeah. See if we can get one. See, hang it on the wall or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Very cool. Very uh, cool. What did I want to... Actually, I wanted to give a shout out to the people who, who brought it up. Dig it out. Say thanks to those people. And then also, and then also, Dries Vince gave us a shout out, which was really kind. Yeah. Oh, that is. There it is. Front end Ben. Ben Furphy. 
he's the guy who actually shouted out our podcast Thanks, in buddy. the magazine. And then Duncan McLean was the guy who shared it on Twitter. So that was pretty awesome. That was a, that was a cool like pick me up, like two shout outs in one week, just yeah. about uh, the different podcast stuff that that we're doing. So you know that doesn't happen like super often, and that's fine. I mean, like, it's not we we don't do it. That's not why we do it, but. Yeah. It's no, totally. But it is cool to like have people say something and like, oh yeah, like people actually listen to this sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So um, so here's kind of what I had on my list for today. The thing that I really wanted to talk about today, three things, four things, enums and constants, gateways and APIs, using libraries. Do you have a rule for when to use them versus when to build? And also Laracon Online. So Laracon Online is like kind of the uh, the most kind of near one to us. So what are your plans for watching Laracon Online? Are you doing anything with Laracon Online? We're not. I think it's... Are you doing a viewing party? You're not because no. it's going to be like early in the morning. Yeah, right? I think it starts about 1 a.m. our time. So I'm not doing a viewing party. Usually I wake up and I will catch the end of the last talk or the last talk or two, which has been tailored the last couple of years, which is which is good. But usually... Ian and the Laracon online team get those videos up pretty quickly after the the conference finishes, and I just throw them into my Plex server, and I just watch them on the uh, the odd big screen. Ooh, when you I have a Plex server? Mm, yeah. How do you like that? It's pretty good. I put all my family movies on there. Yeah. Do you consider the Laracon online people your family? Absolutely. I consider the Lara- Laravel community my family. <laughs> That's funny. I'm just teasing you. Mm-hmm. Um, are you a torrenting man? I do not torrent. As you a, plead the fifth, is what you mean. I mean, you know, as a as an employee of an internet service provider, I would have to strongly advise against illegal acquisition of copyright content. Oh, well, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about illegal. No, not illegal. You don't have to use torrent to illegal download. No, just your high-definition Linux ISOs. Sure, yeah, exactly. No, actually, like, so my brother, well, I shouldn't incriminate him, a guy I know, uh, downloads races from, like, you know, Europe that he can't get, you literally, yeah. can't get them yeah. right so it's like i mean i don't know is that illegal i don't know if it's illegal I mean, technically. I maybe maybe there's some sort of illegal yeah. yeah maybe technically you know that's like it's like the least illegal it's like the least illegal usage of it i can think of that's like right? saying that's like saying i i don't have access to like abc shows or nbc shows in australia so i'll just download them because i can't get them here it's the same thing it's copyright content true it's all copyright content i mean like is that okay? Okay. No, well, don't do that. Everybody's going to be blasting me. It's not okay. He's like, no, people pay to make that stuff. You can't just download it for free. That's right. No, it's true. Though. And actually, like, it, thankfully, you know, thanks to the internet, the, a lot of those restrictions are, are not around anymore, mm-hmm. right? Like, so if you live in Australia, maybe you can get some of those shows just because you have like CBS All Access or whatever. Yeah. This is way off point. But anyway, Lyricon Online is what we started talking about. And I was going to say, we're going to have a viewing party this next week, which I'm really excited about. This is going to be the fourth one, I think. Mm-hmm. So we actually are inviting people to come in a day early. We're going to take everybody out for dinner if they care to come. And then I think we're going to do either like axe throwing or like this 8-bit barcade or something fun like that or bowling. I don't know, something. Yeah. It's going to be a little, our own little mini Laracon. So we're going to go do that the night before. Then we'll do breakfast and lunch the next day during Laracon online. I'm, I'm really excited. I think we got about like 12 people maybe who are cool. going to be there. So, so it should be fun. Yeah, it's a good yeah, time. it should be a really great time. Yeah. So we two of our regulars actually had to drop out, which I was bummed about. Yeah. But um, JP Davey, one of the guys who has previously sponsored this podcast, he was, he was going to come, but he had to drop out. It was a But I'm really looking forward to it. Jonathan Rennick is going 
King, who is one of our one of our boys. We really like Jonathan Reddick Big around fan. here. Hey, shout out to Jonathan and, as uh, well. We just had little little baby yeah. girl. Yep, number three. Yeah, number three. That's awesome. The old, uh, so cool. The old extraction, the old scheduled extraction. That one, cesarean. So. That's the best, man. Yeah, that's the best. It is. It's just like uh, you know. I don't know. Yeah. That's like that's like how childbirth should be. Yeah. If you can have yeah. it that way, like it's just it is so much less stressful. Yeah. I, and I'm saying that obviously as like the guy. As the guy, yeah. I mean, who sits there and he's trying to peek over the curtain to see what's going on. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know if it's less stressful for the woman who's actually going through it, but yeah. Um, it seems it seems to be for my wife. Yeah, Eli was a semi. He was a semi emergency. Like we. Re had had planned to go natural and then through, you know, various complications of the pregnancy, it was we knew pretty early right, right. on that it was going to be a cesarean. And then when we had some some later term complications and nothing, you know, nothing crazy. It was just all related to the same thing. They just said, Yeah, we're gonna do that now instead of in, in a week or two. So it was all good. But it's a it's a good way to go, especially and especially now, I think if you've had one, it's much more likely that you'll the next one, if you have more, the, the second and third and whatever will also be cesarean. So you just go in there and undo the zipper and pull out the next one. Yep. <laughs> just that easy. Yeah. I mean, no, no, we're just, there it is. I mean, it's done. major abdominal surgery. So, hey, surgery, don't get me your... wrong. Absolutely it is. No, no, totally it is. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like, it's a big deal. Like, yeah. Regardless, I will say like my wife recovered faster on our second and third and fourth than she did on our on her first, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Anyway, this has zero, zero to do with what we're here talking about, but it's okay. I mean, Jonathan Rennick, congratulations. Way to go. But Lyricon Online is where that all started. And so, yeah, there's going to be some really great speakers. I'm super stoked. That's going to be uh, Wednesday this next week. So, be cool. yeah, it should be great. Which will be Wednesday this week when you hear this. So, yes. yeah, awesome. Okay, so I wanted to talk about magic strings, enums, and constants. Mm -hmm. So this is something we've been doing a lot in our code base. And I'm just curious to hear kind of like from your side, how you guys use constants or if you use constants in your code base, or if you find yourself having a lot of like magic strings littered around or like what your take on that is. Do you guys use constants at all? We do. Um, yeah. Like in classes? Yeah. Usually yeah. we put the constants, the constants typically represent something that is tied to a model. So typically those constants exist in the models themselves from time to time, if if we need to extract something out that's a little bit more generic or we don't actually have a model. So sometimes we'll have a a table of statuses, for example, or a table of transaction types. So it could be a payment or a credit or whatever. Those kind of things, whilst we have a model for them or whilst we have a database table for them, we don't typically have a model. So we might just have a transaction type class that is just got yeah, constants yeah. in there. So oh, there's a transaction type. And then a constant yeah. for payment, credit, whatever. Because if those, so you consider it's, it's that you consider that, that like an enum class? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I mean, that's. Would you call it as much? Like, would you consider that an enum? Like, do you no. have like an enums directory in your? You don't call it an enum. I don't call it an enum purely because we just use it to map the like the human readable representation. So we would have in the class transaction type, we would have a const payment or a const credit, there's more. That we've got like 12 or 13 of them. And they would map to the, the corresponding integer in the database. So, you know, payment would be one, credit would be two, refund would be three, whatever. So that's how we mm -hmm. would map that, just so that we're not referencing the magic numbers themselves. And it's exactly. clear yeah, that, yeah. you know, when we're adding a payment, 
a credit transaction or a or a payment transaction that it's you know we don't have to worry about what the number is and if the number ever changes which you'd hope not but you know it's much easier to do it that way than to try and reference it from the database that i used to be actually never used to be we used to just have them as constants in the functions.php file somewhere and then now part of the the classes as constants there so at least they're self-contained rather than having every single constant for every single part of the system all in one file yeah okay so you used to have a bunch like a single constants file that you would have like everything in one spot and then you would just reference those kind of wherever you wanted yeah uh and now what you've done is you've kind of co-located those constants to the classes that are concerned with them yep that's exactly right yeah okay cool yeah so I think like we've essentially our almost like rule sort of is like if we're going to use a string more than one time and that's probably too strict that's that's probably not true but if we're going to use a string value almost always we're going to at least extract it to a constant yeah if it's used in more than one class we're going to extract it to its own sort of enum sort of class typically because there's likely going to be more than one of them or there's going to be almost like some sort of configuration dealing with that specific set of string values Mm -hmm. and so you know even if it's not like a list of like it could be a or b or c or d it's going to be like this one is concerned with this particular client's connection and so this is the local disk that you're going to have and this is the remote disk that you're going to have and this is going to be the name of the file that you're looking for and this is the directory we're going to store the docs and this is the directory we're going to store the data set and this is the whatever right so you kind of have a if it's not an enum class necessarily it's just at least a class we would call something like if i had a client called laravel right it would be laravel config yeah right and then i would have colon colon you know to define or to kind of get at that constant value and then it would be like remote data set or local disk or something like that and so i've found that to be really really helpful and we've actually almost taken it to the extreme it's it's nice too because i'll use them all the way across the board so i'll use them in the controller i'll use them in the model i'll use them in my factory methods Right. So like if I have a factory method, a lot of times I'll have like, here's the type of state that it's representing. Right. Because like they end up falling into those a lot of times. Like so if I have a um, hey, if the status is this, uh, like if, you know, if status is expired or something like that, I'm going to use the word expired yeah. kind of a couple different places. Yeah. And so even in my like factories, my model factories, I'll end up using that constant value in there instead of specifying the exact word yeah makes much sense makes a lot of sense yeah we're like in file systems specifically so in like file systems.php which is the listing of all the disks that you have we will actually use the constants in there as well which makes it really nice because like in there specifically like if you have a disk name that's called for example and we actually end up with this one particular um, application we have a bunch of different disks if you have the word let's just say s3-avatars right Mm -hmm. you end up having to repeat that s3-avatars in a bunch of different places and if you ever want to change the name of that oh man that's like stressful because it's not even really like you can't you just gotta hope and pray that you got all of them (laughs) that's right right? and that you didn't Um, change something out of context as well exactly right exactly right and so instead we're, we're using these constants values it just makes it easier to refactor and it's just so it's so lightweight right i mean it, it, there's nothing to it it doesn't cost you anything it's built in the language there's no package you have to mm-hmm. install it's just simple right it's been something that we've done a lot recently that's kind of kind of helped clean up our code a lot 
So yeah, I was just curious if that's something you guys do a lot yeah. or if it's something that you see popping up in your code base often or if it's more like uh, eh, every once in a while, we've made it almost like a, a, a rule. And even like any old code that we're going back into, like any any old code, old code, we kind of try and find, do like the JMAX style of like Boy Scout that code, like leave it better than you found it. Yeah. Right. So it's not uncommon. Like, hey, we're pushing in a new feature and all of a sudden there's like, one of the commits is a bunch of things. It's like, hey, refactoring this to constants, which yeah. just happens a lot. Yeah, no, it's good. It's it's only a good approach, and it's you know, if I I try and be lazy and and don't want to do it, like it's gone to the point now where myself and my team will pull each other up. Where if you know, I'm I'm just like, I'll just put this in here because it's it's short term. Where it, no, 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 you wouldn't let me do it, so I'm not going to let you do it, kind of thing. As part of code review as well. So there are still some places where we've done things that way where we want to temporarily you know instead of doing it on our invoices for example like the invoice is the only place that we put you know go here to pay at this url and it's just the generic url so that because it's part of a string we i wouldn't be like you know go here to pay uh, pay your invoice online at dot you know config colon colon url like i think that kind of stuff doesn't really make sense because it's self-contained within the context of the but at the same time, you know, if that URL ever changes, it means you have to go and find not only the constant usage, but also the configured values and the and the uh, sorry, not a, not only the constant usage via the configured values, but also any arbitrary string placement you've got. Most of it we do yeah. inside of our language files. So we use language files for things like oh, okay, SMS sure. messages and and messages back to oh, yeah. you know feedback within our CRM and things like that so we'll define things in there ah interesting so like, that's smart sure if we have a, like, not because we want to translate it but because we want a single point of reference for where all of those configurable strings are oh I like that I actually really yeah. like that so for configuring appointments no dude that's super smart that's super smart I love that I, and I think it would work pretty well for yourselves as well but for us where we're configuring appointments or if we need to notify our customers that you know you you've gone over your 50 percent usage or you've gone over 75 percent or you've gone over quota like all of those messages are just in a resources lang en sms.php and so we just go in there and we can grab it all out so that's a dude that's genius i freaking love that that's a really convenient way of managing everything oh my word i love this idea oh my word i'm writing this down no, dude, we've struggled with this exact, exact thing, like to the point where we've actually had classes, like literally made classes to be like, well, we we need to know that like this is the text message just going out, but we also need to be able to record somewhere else what the text that is that went out. And so how do you do that? Well, so we made this class that's like, okay, get the message from this class and then go ahead, you know, yeah. almost like a, almost like a constant sort of thing. Not really, but like that sort of idea so that when we are actually recording it later, because there's no real easy way to get the message out of the mm -hmm. SMS message that you're sending in Laravel, right? So yeah, you can't really just do like, you don't just want to like plain string the thing. You want to have like some sort of framework around that but using the language files is genius and then you have like short references to them yeah. too right so because you can do it by key you do it by key yeah you just do underscore underscore whatever i think i think it's changed now where you the key is and i'm not sure how this internationalization works but if you've looked in like the in the well, framework it doesn't have the, to work this way no but it doesn't it have to work this way but what yeah 
which, and, and we'll just complete that thought here, which is basically like the, the words that you're going to use in your native language, whatever Correct. that happens to be, if it's English, those are the keys that get mapped in the other languages. Mm. So you can see exactly what the sentence is in the English version or whatever your native language is. And then whatever, like Swahili or yeah. something, right? Like it'll be have that written Correct. out afterwards. Yeah. And, and and the other thing is it makes it really easy for us whenever, and it's happened before we had, this is why we have these language files. Cause once I was asked, can you give me a list of all the SMS messages that we sent to all of our customers? I'm like, give me a week. I'll find some of them, yeah. probably most yeah. of them, but I can't guarantee right. it's all of them. So now sure. they're all in one place and, and essentially every single SMS. That's and genius. we do it, we have two different applications that send SMS for different reasons. And both of them do the same thing. We put the the messages inside of the the language file. I love that. That's really great. Do you, when you guys are sending text messages, to do any sort of double opt-in sort of stuff? Do you guys use a short code or do you guys no. have short codes in Australia? No. So we don't have to because people are signing up to us and we use SMS for the primary method of communication. So if we say, you know, you've got an invoice overdue or you're going to get suspended or your usage is past the threshold, like we will send you an SMS. So you must have a valid mobile phone number on file. Nice. Okay. And so when they sign up, it's just part of the terms of use. Yeah, sure. So as part of the sign up, you, you can't sign up without a mobile number. Yeah. And as part of the, that, we'll, you know, you must maintain a your correct mobile phone number on file. We'll use it for all communications kind of thing. So nice. Okay. And did you have to do any sort of like messaging and data rates will apply? Any of that crap? No, there are no replies. So, and I don't, I don't think that's really because it just comes from a normal, like we just send it from, it, like it just says that it came from us, like the name of the company. People can't reply to it. So there's no, you know, there's, I don't think the recipient ever pays for a message here. Odd. Okay. That's, yeah, that's quite so we, possible. Yeah, that's yeah, it might be. It just costs us like two cents an SMS or something like that. Yeah, right. It would be certainly convenient. Like, I don't think anybody actually here ever pays for SMS. Maybe if you do like a prepaid plan or something and you don't include SMS yeah. on it or I don't know, something like that. Yeah, but there is quite a bit though. of, yeah, there's quite a bit of, I don't know, legal garbage and jargon around all that stuff in America. Like, mm. It's to and and um so they it depends on the industry but like they would say like for the industry that we work in like you cannot auto send a text message like it must be a human sending that message you cannot auto send those out and so okay that's fine but in addition the carriers will actually because robocalling is a big problem here so like you get yeah. so many spam calls during the day like hey looks like uh you know it appears that your car warranty is almost expired like we want to talk to you about whatever or you know credit card offer or you know some tax scam thing and or whatever right it's just tons of that crap so the carriers are really cracking down on that yeah. and they actually are also blocking text messages now so they use machine learning to look at text messages that are being sent from a specific number and if they all look similar and if it's from like a non-short code number then they, they mm -hmm. just block it the carrier just stops yeah. sending it which is insane. So we can't... It's good. But it, I mean, it's sad that it's gotten to that point though, right? Yeah, it is. No, it's super frustrating, especially for people who have legitimate uses for it, right? But mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like we have a whole bunch of garbage around that. So 
we have we, we're having to implement this whole double opt-in thing with short codes where we have to send it and then we have to send a thing saying you know by replying yes you're authorizing us to send you text messages in the future messaging and data rates will apply blah 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 whatever and then you can text message them right with a short code which short codes yeah. don't get blocked by carriers so anyway it's sort of a mm-hmm. pain but we've been dealing with this sms thing recently and this lang file stuff is genius so we're definitely going to use that yeah yeah it's a it's a good way around the you know scattering all these things around the place or kind of find creative implementations of you know throwing it into a class and you've got to maintain that class and now the, the language files are a good spot and if you ever do later on down the track need to start actually translating them into different languages then it's already ready to go yeah that's awesome i love that i love that idea okay so kind of along these lines maybe so last episode of laravel news podcast you kind of were poking fun at me because i had said something about like there was a library and I was like, oh, I could have used this recently. And you were like, yeah, like the first step for you always should be to Google something because you seem to get caught up by yeah. this a lot. <laughs> yeah, you like to write, you like to reinvent your wheels. Yeah, so like that was the question for me. So, you know, do you have any sort of like metrics in place or what's the word I'm looking for? It's not metrics, heuristics. Do you have any heuristics in place for when you decide to use a library versus when you would say, you know, this actually doesn't justify the onboarding of a new library. Uh, We're instead just going to write something ourselves. Do you have anything around that? Or is it pretty much like if there's ever a library that solves any piece of this, no matter if it has like 20 more things that it solves that I'm not going to use, we're definitely going to use the library. Or do you ever punt on that and say, well, let's build our own first. And then if we need that additional functionality later on, we can pull the library in. Like what's your, what's your heuristic for that? Nah, heuristic is always go and find something that exists first. And if it does, then typically we use it. Cause I mean, it, you know, it adds to the vendor size, but if you're not using it, it doesn't really matter. It's just taking up a bit of this space. It's not, it's not like it's being loaded into memory if it's not being used. So mm, I guess that, that depends, it, right? It depends on how the app service providers are structured. So if they're deferred service providers, they're probably not being used. But if they aren't, then they definitely are being loaded. I but mean, the like service they pro- are. Um, sure, but the service providers are just load, like they're loading references to things. But the majority of the stuff is just pointing to files in the vendor directory to make the classes available. We're not, you know, we're not necessarily doing things. And if it comes to that, you can override those things probably. Um, the the service sure. providers. Yeah, but, yeah, you probably could. But I don't, I don't typically worry, or we don't typically worry about adding things to vendor like we would with with npm, you know, with JavaScript because JavaScript you have to compile that sure, into yeah, your true. JavaScript bundle, whereas vendor it just sits there unless you reference it. So well, you guys this, are also using opcache and stuff, right? So doesn't opcache do something with? What is that? It's not opcache. Maybe it's opcache. There was something I was thinking about where it kind of like runs almost like a of your application, right? I mean, um, opcache will keep the know, files, like, you know, warm and in memory so that, you know, so if you made any changes. That's what it does, but, yeah. Keep some memory, yeah, sure. I don't know. I, you're going to use that memory for that specific purpose anyway. So, and a typical app, Laravel application, is it's not that big a deal to do that. But as I said, you know, it's about the impact to the user having another file in vendor doesn't impact the user. Having another JavaScript library adds weight to your JavaScript bundle. No, totally. Um, totally and I, and really, I actually yeah. had this, I can't believe I had to have this argument, but we had one of my developers wanted to sneak in SweetAlert. And typically Ugh, I have I, hate, no I don't really like SweetAlert to be honest. I don't have any issues with it because it's, it's useful. We use it in a couple of our apps where we've used it for like multi-step modals and things like that. 
And so you go, you know, why are you doing this? Who are you sending this to? Give a reason for it, you know, that kind of stuff. And then it goes and does something in the background. So it's kind of cool for that kind of thing. And because we're using it in a lot of different places, we're using it for confirmations and, you know, all that kind of thing. It's fine. I don't mind using it in that context. But one of my developers wanted to bring it into another app that has no suite of light. Like, and the only place that it was being used was for a confirmation modal. And I said, no, what, why are you bringing in? And, and Sweet Alert is 70 kilobytes of JavaScript zipped. Like it's 70 kilobytes compressed. Dang, that's freaking huge. And that's, that's heavy. I said, why are we bringing in? Oh, it's an internal app and it looks beautiful. I said, I don't, I don't care. It's a confirmation button. You know, like, man, I don't actually... Just yeah, Windows that's, that's the thing. That is, thing. Like, I don't actually think it looks that good. I mean, it looks fine. And most of us really do. bootstrap. So, yeah. you know, it kind of fits in the bootstrap theme. If, you know, if it's Tailwind or whatever, no, I, I certainly wouldn't because then you don't want to have all these Tailwind classes and then suddenly you've got this thing that obviously doesn't belong there. But Which, speaking it, of, did you see... Um, oh, sorry, my goodness. I'm, I'm sidetracking. Go ahead. Yeah, the in the, in the context of this application that doesn't have Sweet Alert anywhere, that, that it's not using it for anything else except for this one window, you know, this one confirmation, and it's not even being used directly. It's There's a, a view component wrapping over the Sweet Alert just to do a confirm and i'm like hell no don't don't bring another <laughs> javascript library just for this thing window just window.confirm are you sure you want to do this right. thing totally. yes no for sure the browser yeah. handles it it looks better you know the browser will handle it it'll look good it'll be accessible across all the browsers typically this app we're doing functionality like i'll pick up my phone and i need to do something so i need it to work and look reasonable and just behave itself on my phone or on my ipad or on my macbook or on my imac like Everything and it's all handled by the browser, and and the argument was like, you know, it looks beautiful, and like, why are we doing this? Because you know, it's not the two thousands anymore. I mean, it's you know, but it's not like the early two thousands. You know, it's twenty twenty. We may as well just go back to using JavaScript. I'm like, are you insane? Stop it. There's, it's an internal app. What does it matter if it? I said that's not the point. It doesn't. It's you're bringing in a library needlessly for one tiny little confirmation modal. I said, if anything, you can create a confirmation thing that just like changes the the button to are you sure you want to do this kind of thing, you know, click yes, no to confirm or whatever, rather than bringing a whole other library because it'd be very simple to do something like that in a small view component because we've already got view pulled in. We're already using view rather than using view to trigger a 70 kilobyte confirmation modal. Outrageous. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And especially because it's an internal app, I'd be actually way more comfortable with just doing a confirm dialogue. Just an okay, yes or no kind of sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this being, oh, so what are the other thing I was going to say is like, did you see Adam's responsive modal? Yes. Adam Lavin's responsive yes, modal? Yes, I did. Yeah. It looks beautiful, right? Everything, everything that man puts out looks beautiful. It's criminal. It's almost criminal. Wilbur Powery actually did a really nice modal like that for us. Mm-hmm. We use it everywhere now. It's, you know, a regular pop-up modal on desktop and then on mobile, it slides up from the bottom like that. So, you know, as you go on modal, it just slides up from yeah. the bottom, slides down. It's really, it looks beautiful. It really, really is very nice. We did that probably, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, a year ago or something like that. Maybe a little bit less and been using it all over the place. It's yeah. really, really nice. Very good. Okay. Yeah, I so do like the, then, I so, do like the modal, like the modal being dock to the bottom of the screen on mobile. The, oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only downside to. to that, someone and someone mentioned it in the replies that on, at least definitely on iOS, if you put something at the bottom of the screen, if you tap it, like pops up the, 
the bottom, you know, tab yep, bar and the all that. Keyboard. So you have to, yep. yeah. So you have to tap twice, which is a little bit annoying. But other than that, it's uh, it's nice. Yeah. Well, like <clears throat> you still have the same problem because it's like if you have, if you try and center it in the window, right? And you and you click on it and it pops up that keyboard. Well, now you have even less space. Yeah. To show, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's actually, I mean, it's way better to have it at the bottom, pinned mm-hmm. to the bottom, at least at least as far as I could yeah. tell. It, it's always felt way better like that. And like, you know, like, okay, if you hold up your AirPods next to your phone or whatever, you know, you get this yeah. beautiful little... Pops up at the bottom there. You know, that little shook, right? Yeah. Like that's exactly where, I, I feel like it just looks right there. That's yeah. like where it should be. And it's easy to get your um, thumb there as well, rather than having to, you know, shimmy your phone down and whatever. Totally. So has this ever bitten you? Like just pulling in a library for something and then have you ever had to like rip a library out and it been a really big pain in the neck or not so much? Mm, we've had some like pin dependencies that become an issue if we're trying to update one package but two things depend on the same thing at different versions and so you, uh, you yeah, get yeah. that kind of thing happening. That's typically the only thing thing we've seen i don't think we've ever had to pull anything out we have had to fork things yeah that's the same thing with where, us. where you know the the maintainer was no longer maintaining it so we just forked it and now we've got our own copy of the thing that's never going to change and fortunately for us the things that we typically have to fork are things that we probably want to move away from anyway so they're in older parts of the code base they're not maintained so we we're looking for alternatives to that code anyway so this kind of gives us a little bit of a jolt to make that happen yeah we've had that we've had similar problems with, on the other side which is like we want to upgrade to laravel 7 as soon as it comes out right and we're really going to be held back from doing that because guaranteed the vendors you know i mean the packages that are out there are probably not going to be upgraded day one to allow for laravel 7 yeah i mean unless it's been made by sparsy most people probably aren't going to do it correct exactly and so you end up with that exact situation you're talking about which is like if you want to upgrade to the latest one you're going to have to fork it you're going to have to make sure the Mm -hmm. version is set to the newer one you're going to have to test it on 7.3 whatever it is yeah so it's like it's a little bit annoying so i don't know it's like i i hear what you're saying about like oh no we always we always just use it like there is no weight to it there's no problem but like later on down the road i've found that we've had some issues with like even with something like Dom PDF, like Dom PDF is widely used all mm. over the place, right? Tons of people use Dom PDF, but like we had a problem moving to PHP seven point four when using Dom PDF, and it was something that had been an issue out there for like months, and like nobody had ever done anything. So we basically just, you know, we just had to fork it, yeah. I mean, and set it out there, and then set reminders to check it every week until this this. Pull yeah. request got merged and yeah. so yeah i don't know there there are some painful pieces of of using open source code if you don't have to use it right like even yeah. if you can just take inspiration kind of from like what they did in their code it's i always try and at least do the exercise of saying like okay do i need all of this or is this something i don't know like i i don't want to discourage people from using open source code because that's the other thing too is like there's a lot of really smart people way smarter than me who are creating mm-hmm. packages that are super helpful to use and so i'll say most of the time we'll end up going with a library but there are some situations where it's just not worth it, right? You just got to be, yeah. it's like, it's good to be, mm, I don't even know what the word is I'm looking for. Decisive is what I was going to say, but that's not the word. No, Discerning. The there yeah. we go. Yeah. Discerning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think there in the Laravel community, it's t- like it used to be okay with when we were pre-Semver, where it was just like, you know, carrot 5 dot whatever or 5 dot star and that, that worked forever because it was 5, 5, 5, 6, 5, 7, exactly. 5, 8, And it was for, usually, yeah, right, things right. only had to be updated when they broke. And now, you know, it's six and now the next version is going to be seven. So there's going to be the whole the whole thing that happened with five, eight to six is going to happen again from, 
you know, six to seven. Exactly. Now That's exactly everyone's right. Everyone's pinned to carrot six dot or whatever. So now we've got the whole seven thing. And, and you, you know, it takes a while. Not everyone is sparsy and not everyone's keeping their things pre-up to date for when that next version comes out. And then, totally. you know, if you're the one that's using this this package that, you know, isn't really maintained or isn't, or, you know, is feature complete or it doesn't get a lot of updates, then you're the one that's responsible for, you know, forking it, updating the composer dependencies, making sure the tests continue to pass, sending the the, and the, I hate doing the PR and then, and then waiting for it to be merged. So I, I hate that. Like I hate that even. But any, that's all... any packages that I have, which are very few, like I yeah. hate that pull request that comes in and it's like, hey, can you make this, this compatible? I'm like, ah, oh, I have to go actually work to make sure it is still compatible. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's just but annoying. that's part and but, parcel so of I get being it. the open source person though, right? You know, yeah, it's, which is why I like, just what it is. Yeah. And yeah. for, for more, like I've got a couple of packages that are, that are reasonably popular and people will submit those PRs pretty quickly. So it's just a matter of merging them as long as the tests pass. Yeah. I use your Tailwind preset, by the way. I've used it twice now. Did you? Let me ask I you have. about that. Someone opened an issue no. the other day, and Just they said, "No, I'm going to ask you anyway." Someone, <laughs> someone <laughs> opened an issue on on it the other day and said, "Can we have the option to add the uh, to add the Tailwind custom form styles?" And I said, "Yeah, I don't really want to maintain two versions of the you know of the of the." stubs i don't want to have the custom you know stitch together classes and the tailwind plugin to do that i said if you send me a, a pr that's got that done and updated all the form inputs to use the the tailwind custom forms classes then sure but i don't really want to maintain two different versions of that for that minor difference i agree yeah no, no, that'd be a pain i haven't heard i haven't I haven't had a response for that yet. That'd be a pain, but like I get it. That would be really nice, actually. I mean, at least I don't have to maintain it. And Adam's obviously spent way more time making them look good, making them accessible. You know, totally. all the focus outline things like that. Things that you know, me as someone that who's just using us, that. Yeah. yeah, I don't like. I I care that it is accessible and that it looks good, but I don't care to spend the time to go and figure out how to make that happen in this particular instance. Hundred percent. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, it would be really nice, and I think uh, I don't know. It's, it's like it would almost be like you should do that as the default. I guess I don't know. Yeah. you do that as the default, yeah. and then strip it out. Like if they didn't want, it. yeah, yeah, Pull but that's in. not something you're going to want uh, to have the, to do. Yeah, no, no, they can send the PR. They want this thing. Send the PR that adds the custom forms and rewrites all of the classes to use them. Otherwise, it can just sit at ease. Like that custom forms plugin has been out for I guess a year or so now, and. They've only just mentioned it now, so it's not like other people are mentioning like, yeah, it or thinking about it, right, it or right, whatever. Right. So yeah, you know, there's that. also that that level of priority. They're like, not everyone's asking for it, so eh. right, that makes sense. Hey, so uh, my headphones are dying, and I am sick, and it's almost midnight. So I'm going to say we should maybe start wrapping this up. Sure, but I had one other thing I want to talk about, but I'm not sure if I actually want to get all the way into it. What do you want to talk it's, about? Which is like gateways and APIs, first party. Sounds APIs like it's going to be a bigger topic. It is a bigger topic. It is. Sounds like a topic for next episode. It does sound like a topic for next episode. I can intro it. Do basically, basically, I can do an intro. But before we do the intro, why don't you give our uh, wonderful sponsor, Fathom Analytics, a quick shout out? Absolutely, Fathom Analytics, our good good friends, Jack Alice and Paul Jarvis, have a simple analytics platform for bloggers and businesses. 
No longer will you have to scroll through pages of reports and collect gobs of personal data about your visitors, both of which you probably don't need. Fathom is a simple and private website analytics platform that lets you focus on what is important, and that is your business. You get one screen that is updated in real time. You don't need any cookie notices because no personal data is collected, no cookies are left. People will visit your site without a trace. You can host unlimited websites, or sorry, you can add unlimited websites to your Fathom account, and you are instantly ready to take on huge spikes in traffic because our good friends at Fathom have built this using Laravel Vapor. Fathom has been featured on Fast Company, GitHub, Product Hunt, and Hacker News for being a simple and easy-to-use alternative to Google Analytics, and there are so many people using it. Don't forget also that Fathom hosts a weekly podcast called Above Board, which discusses privacy and business in the digital age. For our North Meet South listeners, Fathom has a very special offer that we talked about at the start of the show. Every account that you sign up with Fathom starts with a seven-day free trial and can be used with unlimited sites. And with plans starting at $14 per month off, the special offer that we have for our listeners will get you a $20 credit. So you will get a month and a bit and a bit free with your seven-day trial. If you would like to check out what they're doing at Fathom Analytics, you can visit them at usefathom.com forward slash north. Thank okay. you so much, guys. Cut the music. Okay, so for those of you who are waiting for the sponsor read to be over by listening for the music, I'm going to make one one impassioned plea here. Like if you have not used or looked at Fathom before, literally just take a quick second on your phone or on your computer, go to usefathom.com slash north. Just look at the landing page. And I promise you, you'll at least be inspired to check it out. It's really, really good. And I also wanted to give a quick shout out to Jack, who's going to be coming out with a Vapor course in the next couple of weeks. I know he's been working super hard on it. If you are using Vapor, you should definitely be following Jack on Twitter. His handle in the show notes. And he's going to be announcing that soon. So please check that out as well. It'd be awesome. Nice. Um, okay, so here's the um, here's kind of the long and short of it. For, for what's going on. We have a legacy database. I don't know if you can, I, I think it is a data, we'll call it a database. Um, it's called Universe. It's a universe database. And we basically run all, all of our production systems, all of the stuff that actually makes our company money runs on that universe database. Everything runs on there. And so it was very difficult to integrate with it like directly. And so what we did is we built a layer in front of it that we... Um, we just call Cubs API because Cubs is the name of the of the system. Anyway, that's some background. So we built a API in front of that, which makes it easier. We can now communicate, uh, you know, with REST in order to be able to run actions and do certain things on that particular database. As a result, what ends up happening is many, many, many of our programs rely heavily upon that API to get information that they need in order to do critical functions of that application. So a lot of our tests have to mock that API. And the question is, what is the best way to do that? How are other people consuming first party APIs? And what is the best way to test those and test those well? There are multiple options out there. There are third-party services that you can use, such as something like Castle Mock. There are also things you can do like use Guzzle VCR, or mm -hmm. you could even in your tests set up your own 
I'm not, I think I think they might call them middlewares or something like that. But yeah, you can uh, you can say what the request should be, and you can test what the response is coming back, and those sorts of things. But basically, the idea being like, I want to be able to test this without actually hitting it, right? I want to be able to hit it locally when I'm not onto the on the VPN. I want to be able to test it in Travis, which won't have access to our local network. So what is the best way to do that? Now, the the problem is like a lot of people I've talked to have said, oh, yeah, like, you know, most of the time when I'm dealing with something like that, I've been using like Stripe API's test gateway. Well, that works great because Stripe is available everywhere. But yeah. Travis does not have access to my local network, which is the only place that you can get access to this thing, right? Mm -hmm. So, man, what do you do? And so we have some solutions in place, but we'll talk more about that next episode and some of the solutions that we've come up with and some other mm -hmm. maybe even better solutions. Maybe we'll get TJ Miller on next week to talk about what he would do in that situation and how he would handle testing that out. I think he would have yeah. some great insights on that because he deals with this stuff all the time as well. He does all kinds of heavy testing things. So yeah, he'd be a great, great person to have on here. He would. He absolutely would. And I've actually wanted to talk to him about that. So this would be a good opportunity just to get him on here, get him out of his, uh, get him out from under his rock. Be like, drag yeah. him out. TJ, we miss you. Get out of here. We do. <laughs> TJ's Excellent. awesome. I'll look forward to that. That'll be good. Let's, uh, Sounds good, let's man. Let's tear it up. Sounds good. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode. This was episode 70. If you like the show, please feel free to rate it up in your podcatcher of choice five stars. We would really, really appreciate that. And even more, we would appreciate it if you'd retweet it or uh, tell your friends about it, let them know. And uh, that's always great. If you have any questions for us, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at North South Audio. And you can find show notes for this episode at northmeetsouth.audio slash 70. That's all of it. Very good. Thanks, everybody, for listening. That is all of it. We'll see you in two weeks. We'll speak to you all in two weeks. Peace. Bye.